Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you're encouraged by this message from the Vandalia, Michigan campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Man, I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to talk about the Bible. This is the most important thing, guys. God's Word is enough to build a whole life on. It is absolutely enough to build a whole life on. And you guys don't need to hear my opinions. You don't need to hear the life principles that I've learned over, over my life. Um, ultimately, we need to help one another um, ingest the Word of God because it's food, it's life, it's worth it. So um, that's what we're doing this morning, and there's going to be a lot of Bible, and I'm not going to apologize for it. I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, man, we're going to get through this, and we got to slog and pay attention, guys. No, we're going we're gonna to go for it because it's good. It's, it's exciting. Um, I don't have a funny introduction or a relatable story to start with, though, so we're just going to, like, go right into it. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> um, we're talking about freedom today um, and next week and the week following and the week following. This whole month is is based on freedom um, and, and the freedom we have through Christ. Um, today we're talking about freedom from sin and what that looks like. Um, and uh, uh, we're, we're not talking about freedom from uh, British oppression today. This is, this is something separate. Um, <laughs> this is not going to be a political talk. Uh, we're talking about, talking about the kingdom, which is so much better, so much more important. Um, last month, we talked about God's character, talked about how he introduced himself through Exodus, uh, in Exodus to Moses. Um, and he says he's gracious and compassionate. He's a God that is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That was what we spent the whole, the whole month diving into. Um, that's who he is. That's what he wants us to know about him. Um, and that's how he reveals himself all through scripture. God's forgiveness and grace is, is radical. It is so much better than just our, our best idea of what forgiveness might be. Um, Jesus forgave, had forgiveness ready for everyone who came to him. Um, he was forgiving corrupt tax collectors. He was forgiving prostitutes. He forgave someone who was being executed for a life of thievery, right? Somebody who lived in sin for his entire life and was receiving the just reward for his sin on the cross. And Jesus was on the cross and looked over and said, you're going to be with me today in paradise. Like, that's his standard for forgiveness. Uh, One of his disciples comes up to him and says, Jesus, how, how much should we be forgiving people? Uh, seven times, and he's thinking seven times is kind of a lot to, to forgive somebody repeatedly. Uh, and Jesus says, no, 70 times seven. Uh, he's basically saying, whatever you think, times 70. And that's, and, and, and we think like God's going to forgive us less than, than that. Like God's forgiveness is good. God keeps no record of wrongs, right? If we, we, we hear love, love keeps no record of wrongs and, and we look at that and go, okay, this is how I'm supposed to love. Like that scripture, pr- primarily this Bible is to teach us about God, right? And God's not going to hold us to a higher standard than, than he has. We, we say, oh man, I'm not allowed to, uh, I'm not allowed to keep a record of people's wrongs and, uh, 
I'm not allowed to keep a record of wrongs, but I know God has a record in his mind of everything that I've done. Right? That's not the truth. It's not the truth. Forgiveness is good. Oh, man. And it's bigger than, than we expect. Um, and part of the reason that the Lord is so glorious and wonderful and praiseworthy and awesome, like everything we sang today, is because of his mercy and his forgiveness. And we could just worship him for his mercy and forgiveness. And that would be enough to cover us for the rest of our life, right? There's so much more, right, to him, his, his majesty and his holiness and his justice and all of this. But you do not have the power to worship God enough just for his mercy and forgiveness. It's that big. And that's kind of what I want to start with going forward um, to kind of lay the foundation in view of the mercy of God. We're, we're going to move forward in freedom here. Um, Paul, in Romans, describes the mercy and grace of God and contrasts it with the sinfulness and depravity of man. And he says, look how merciful God is because he forgives man's sinfulness. Like, look how, look how amazing he is because of how terrible you are. <laughs> Which, you know, it's a hard message to hear, but it's the truth. And people are asking Paul this question. Bam. Oop. Oh, no. Go back. Ah, ha, ha. Uh, people are saying, Paul, if God's going to forgive us for whatever we do, shouldn't we sin a little bit more? You know, to make our testimony even better? Like, these are the kind of the questions that, that Paul's getting, right? Hey, you're saying God looks good when I sin and he forgives. So maybe, you know, I should just live in sin so that, you know. And that's, and we, and we look at that and we go, why would anyone think that? But that's the message of radical forgiveness that Paul is preaching. That God's going God's gonna to forgive you. Um. This idea, that would make our testimony even better. I'll be honest, as a homeschooled pastor's kid who was barely allowed to watch Disney movies as a kid, like, I have thought before, this is a real thought that went through my head as a teenager, man, I wish I had had a drug addiction like my friend, because his testimony is awesome. Boy! Like, he makes God look really good. And when he tells people about how Jesus set him free from meth addiction, people give their lives to Jesus. Like, that's pretty great. And here I am, like, I just, like, lived with the Lord, like, you know, and, and boy, God set me free from stuff and, and all this. But, like, it, I kind of wish I, you know, had some sort of a, you know, massive, you know, by the world standard, something. <laughs> I, I would, you know. <laughs> so what should the church say to people who are struggling with this idea? Because <laughs> it's a real thought, right? Or, or what, what should we say to people who say, um, God's so forgiving. He, he doesn't care if I go get drunk on the weekends, you know, or God's so good. Does he really, he's got important things to think about and he, he, he sent Jesus and does he really care who I sleep with? You know, does, does he really care what I'm doing on, on the side? You know, if, if he's that forgiving, if he's that good, 
Does he care? I mean, nobody's perfect, right? says it in Romans 3. Everybody's sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What's a little bit shorter? (laughs) What do we say to that? Like, surely the church's message isn't, like, it's okay to sin because God forgives. Like, that can't be the message, right? All right, now we got to be super careful with our message because a lot of people, right at this point, will throw out much of the gospel in order to keep people from sinning. They will throw out very crucial, important, foundational doctrines, important truth, in order to have behavior modification and to keep people in line. Right? To keep children from doing bad things, to keep people from leaving the church, we got to bring out the big guns. we got to say, boy... You don't know how long you have. Who knows if you got in a car accident tonight after sinning and did not have time to repent, you could spend an eternity in hell on your way back home from whatever sin store you are at. You know? (laughs) Or you say, you know what? (laughs) The Lord's forgiven you for so much, but boy, you don't know how, how big his forgiveness is. You don't know how long his mercy is. Right? You could commit one more sin and that could be it. Right? That could, that could be the line. You could step over the line and then there would be no hope for you. Right? Like these are the messages that we, that that we could say. Because we're worried. Because in our hearts we know that sin's not, we we can't tell people that they can sin and gotta come up with something. Um, and a lot of people, Here's a a slide. Hopefully you can see that. There's a little stick figure here. Unrighteous. This is how we were before we were saved. We were under the line, unrighteous, depraved, heading towards destruction. And we said a prayer. This is how a lot of people preach it, preach the gospel. We said a prayer and boink, Jesus pushed us up over the line. Right? (laughs) And we're cruising along, and boy, everything's great. God is good. He set me free from a life of sinfulness, and everything in my past is taken care of. But then, we fall. We make a, we make a misstep. We sin, and all of a sudden, we are unrighteous. We are, we are below the line. We're in this kind of chasm, right? And, and this imagery of, of, of holes and chasms and, and things that were too, too far for us to, to get over is, is a lot of the imagery of, of the cross, right? There's this, there's this distance that we couldn't cross, but by golly, you know, the cross is a bridge and, and, and we can go right over it, right? But now we, we fell back in the hole. Like, what are we going to do? Right? And so if, thankfully, if we pray enough, if we go to church, if we confess, you know, if we say three Hail Marys, Right? Like, we can get back over the line. We can come back to God. And we can be righteous again. Our standing can be good with God. Right? We were bad with God. Now we're good with God. But what if we commit something really big again? we got to do something equally as big just to get our head over the line again. Right? Like, and this is kind of the back and forth thing. And then if we do something too bad, we could fall all the way to unrighteous. And boy, we gotta, we're going to have to get re-saved. Back at the altar, 
right? We got to go to church camp again, right? (laughs) And on that Saturday night when everybody's weeping, we got to go up to the altar and give our lives to Jesus again. Happens every summer, right? Like this is, this is what happens. And you know, thankfully that happens and then we can kind of float up to the top and hopefully we die at a time where our head is above the line. That's the, that's the best we can hope for. Right? Like that's, that's our good news of the gospel is, you know, manage your repentance and your sinning so that there's more repentance than sinning. Or at least more recent repentance than sinning. Right? There's, there's no hope here. The truth is, we're starting back here, unrighteous. We get saved. This is what happens. Boink! Shoot up to the top. Good so far. If we mess up, whoo, this is good, and we sin, and we stumble, our standing with God doesn't change. Our sin, past, present, and future, is put on the cross. This is good news. Oh, man. And we have righteousness. Paul says that our righteousness is credited to our account. This is not something we, we earned, right? Or that, that we, we got and we lost and we got and we lost. This is something like God posted it, right? Wrote it in permanent marker. You're, you're righteous. And no matter how much you f- stumble and fall and get back up again, you're going to end righteous. You're going to end with the Lord. Why? Faith in Jesus. Believing on Jesus. All of that sin, all of that stain gets put on the cross. And and we can stay above the line and walk in freedom. This is the freedom from sin that Paul talks about, that that we hear. Jesus talking about that you'll, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. Right? This is freedom. Right? This back and forth, Spencer said it looked like, um, uh, Bitcoin. Going up and down and up and down and up and down, right? <laughs> that's, that's slavery right there. That's bondage. You're not going to run out of the grace and the mercy of Jesus. You're not going to reach the end. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Do we really believe that, that his mercy endureth forever, right? Is that, is that what we believe? Um, it's just like the song, my sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole, was nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh, my soul. For those that are hidden in Christ, every sin you commit, Past, present, and future is nailed to the cross, and you don't have to bear it. This is a dangerous idea. This is dangerous. You can sin a thousand times in a thousand ways, and God's grace can still cover you. Right? That seems a little too too good to be true. Um, If Christianity was a human made-up thing about behavior modification and keeping people's um, conduct, you know, above a certain line and keeping society together. If it was something that evolved over time, um, 
as, as many sociologists believe, this would not be the message, right? We, we would be keeping score, right? And the people that were holy would be above the people who were kind of holy, but they would be above the people that were not really holy, right? And we would, we would have this kind of hierarchy of like good people and people, right? That's, or we'd have a, oh, there's a certain amount. You have a sin allotment for the day, and boy, God's not happy with you if you. The truth is, there is no limit on forgiveness. And Paul is dealing with people in the Roman church who are hear, hearing this gospel of mercy and grace, and they're saying, if this is true, shouldn't we sin more to make this awesome grace look good? And this is Paul's response. Here we go. In Romans 6. And we're going to read basically the whole chapter of Romans 6. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Paul is saying, the reason you were set free, the reason you were resurrected, is so that you can live a new life is so that that body of sin can be done away with. Your salvation is not simply getting set free from the punishment of sin. Your salvation is getting set free from sin itself. We could not have lived a new life before Christ. But now, it's underlined there, we too may live a good life, a a new life in him. So the response to somebody who has received salvation and who is now going back to their old patterns of life is not, oh, better be careful, fires, fires of hell. The response is this is not what Christ died for. Christ died so that you can live a new life. Christ died so that you could be free from the stuff you're going back to. Galatians 5 said, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You can put yourself back in bondage to sin. You can wear the yoke. You can plow the field as sin as your master, right? You can do that, right? Paul is saying, do not do that. Stay free. That's why. It wasn't simply just, oh, you get to... You get to go f- and, 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 you know, be free from consequence, right? It's not, oh, I have diplomatic immunity and so I can do whatever I want, right? <laughs> this is, it, it is for new life and new freedom that you've been set free. So live free. Verse 8 here in Romans 6. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe we will also live with him. The death that he died, he died once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, 
but alive in Christ Jesus. And this, this word sounds, this, these thoughts sound a lot like um, what Paul says in Galatians here. Uh, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I now live by faith in the Son of God who loved, for me, who loved me and gave himself for me. So God is not primarily in the business of making bad people good. God is in the business of making dead people alive. Making slaves free. Right? That's, that's what he's doing. He has, he has new life for us to live. And when we go back to old ways, when we participate in the sin, we are basically getting back in a, a coffin, right? We're participating in this death that we used to have. And we're not living the new life in Christ that we have available. We're not living in freedom. Paul's saying, don't, don't, don't even associate with that dead person anymore. You, you're something new, right? You're, you're a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We live for the glory of God. Verse 12 here. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer, everybody say offer. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as though those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness for sin shall no longer be your master because you're not under the law, but under grace. Talking about offering the greatest Offering that you could give is not something that you put in the basket at church. The greatest offering that you have to give is living your life for the glory of the Lord. Right? It's, it's living. The greatest offering is not, is not dying. It's actually living for God in freedom for him in this new life. God wants us to offer every part of ourselves to him as an instrument of righteousness. That's the offering the Lord wants. And I'm a, I'm a guitar player. Um, I was given a couple years back a beautiful Martin guitar. And it just sounds so good. And I love it so much. I Still to this day, I have no idea who gave it to me. It, 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 was, it, it was totally anonymous. Um, and... Uh, it, I say I say it sounds beautiful because I can give it to some people and they can make some amazing sounds with it. But I can give that same guitar to some of my beginner students and the guitar does not sound very good in their hands. <laughs> They're learning. <laughs> They're growing. <laughs> right? Um, and and it's, it's painful to hear sometimes. Um, and... I can offer that instrument to a, an advanced student, and boy, it can sound really good. I can offer that guitar at, to a beginner, and, and all of a sudden it becomes an instrument of iniquity and wickedness. Like, it is, 
it's not, not great, right? <laughs> okay. The point here is you are the guitar. You are the guitar. You cannot make sounds on your own. You will either be played by sin and wickedness, or you will be played by the master, and you will be an instrument of righteousness. That's what this is saying. Offer yourselves as instruments of righteousness. And the Lord can play some pretty cool stuff with you. That's what Jesus is saying. You're, you are the light of the world. Now go shine, right? That's, that's the Lord playing you like a pretty cool instrument. Um, we see in Romans 12, just a couple chapters later, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. This is worship. It's looking and remembering the mercy of God that keeps us above that righteousness line. Like that kind of mercy. And offering ourselves as a, not a dead sacrifice, right? This isn't like suicide cult. This is living for Christ, a living sacrifice. Everything you do, which I've heard it said, you know, it's dying is easy, living is harder, right? Like this is a, this is a high calling to live your life for the Lord. And it says, this is your true and proper worship. That means the best worship that you can give the Lord is not a three hour song session, you know, where your voice gets, you know, raspy. I know you're crying, right? And it's just, just ugly tears, right? That's not the greatest worship that you could live. The greatest worship we can offer the Lord is our whole life, right? It's, it's 6 a.m. on a Monday morning, right? It's 11 p.m. on Friday night. Like, it's, it's every hour. That's, that's worship. What's the word we use to describe someone who gives themselves to someone else? Or um, somebody who is even given as a gift to someone? Um, I think that word would be a slave, right? And we kind of shy away from that word because we're like, I'm no longer slaves to sin anymore, right? I'm, I'm an independent person. I, it's for freedom that Christ set us free, so I'm never going to be a slave again, right? America, you know, <laughs> like, that's, and we're, in, we're independent. We're, you know, we're, we're our own people, right? This is where it kind of gets a little offensive. I'm going to let Paul say it. Verse 16, same chapter, same chapter. Don't you know that when you offer, there's that word again, when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey. Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of the teaching which is now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin, and if you missed it, have become slaves to righteousness. He says it over and over and over again. And he clarifies here. He says, I'm using an example from your everyday life because of your human limitations. 
Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness, leading to holiness. Here's the truth on this Independence Day, this July 4th. Independence is not God's highest calling for you. Doing whatever you want is not God's highest calling for you. God did not set you free from sin so that you could be drifting in a state of anarchy that's isolated from the kingdom of God. Even the word kingdom implies an authority structure, right? There's a king on a throne giving decrees, giving orders. If you read Psalm 119, that guy is in love with the law of the Lord and the commands of the king. It's the longest chapter in all of Psalms. So long. And every single verse is is literally nothing except for, I love what God says for me to do. God is a king, and the greatest freedom that you'll ever have comes from submitting to his rule. There's He doesn't give us any option because we're not self-sufficient. We're not self-sustaining. We can't keep ourselves going. We need him. We absolutely need him in everything. (laughs) Every hour I need thee. King David said he'd rather live as a doorkeeper in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. Like, why? Why is it better to be sweeping floors in the throne room, right, than to be off somewhere else. The reason is, is because the king is there, right? The king is there. He's the only source of peace and life and love. The Bible says in his presence, where he is, there's fullness of joy, right? It says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, which means if you're not walking by the spirit, you're over here in darkness. You're over here in things that will tear you apart. There is actual chains and danger away from the Lord. And we absolutely need him. Scripture says in him, we live and we move and we have our being. And I love what Romans 11 says here for everything comes from him, exists by his power and is intended for his glory. Everything. He is the center, right? And, and you, can, you can jettison yourself off and try to start your own thing, right? But you're, you are going to, in comparison to the Lord, you're always going to be a, a tiny sideshow to what really matters. Verse 22. But now that you've been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit, this is good news, The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. And we know this verse. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we'll quote that last verse as if if eternal life is like the cheapest thing in the world. Like it's of of no value. (laughs) Like it's it's a free gift. That's it. Like, as if Jesus is like, oh, yeah, I got some, some eternal life for you. All right, see you later. 
right? Like that's not, <laughs> that, that, that's not how that works. <laughs> um, John 17 says, Jesus, this is Jesus' definition of eternal life. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is not a ticket to heaven that you can, you know, cash in at the right time, right? Eternal life is knowing God. It is knowing God. It is impossible to have eternal life without a relationship with the Lord. It is impossible to have eternal life without listening to his voice. You can't do it. You can't do it. Eternal life, the the gift of eternal life, the free gift, is that there is a way back to the Father. There's a way back to the Father. Something you couldn't do by yourself, but the Lord did for you. And if you'll offer yourself to the Lord with no strings attached, the benefit you reap is holiness. He'll set you apart. He'll consecrate you. As uh, 1 Peter says, you're his special possession, right? You're, you've, been, you've been ruined for everything else. You are, you are the Lord's. Um, so this Independence Day, we ought not celebrate our freedom from sin by offering up ourselves back to what had us bound. We were an instrument of wickedness and of sin. We were slaves. We had chains on, right? We ought not play with those same chains, right? Go back and let's try that yoke back on. We ought to celebrate by remembering the mercy of God. And in view of that mercy, as a response to that mercy, offer ourselves to the Lord in every every part of ourselves. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, we thank you for salvation. We thank you for freedom in Christ Jesus. We thank you that you've set us free from the law of sin and death, not only as, not only free from its, its punishment, Lord God, but free so that we can live a new life in you. We thank you that you've made a way back. You've not locked the door or shut us out. We pray that we'd more fully realize this good news. God, that we'd realize the height, the width, the depth, the length of your love for us. God, and that we would respond by giving everything we've got for you as an offering, as a gift. God, we offer our heart to you, every passion, every desire, every idol. God, we give our love to you. We offer our soul, our identity, our very selves. We offer our independence to you. (laughs) And we say, you're our king, you're our Lord, you're our master. We offer you our mind. God, all of our mind, every thought, Lord. God, may it go go through you. <laughs> may we have our minds set on Christ. May we dwell on your, your goodness and your mercy with our thought life. God, we offer you our strength every day, every day, every day. God, every action, 
even as things as small as eating and drinking. God, may those things be done for your glory. May we raise our kids for your glory. God, may we go to work for your glory. May we host other people for your glory. May we solve problems for your glory. Resolve conflicts for your glory. God, we give it all to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. No. All right. So we have prayer over here. <laughs> I've never done this before. <laughs> we have prayer over here. If you have, if you have a prayer need, if you're like, boy, I'm feeling really, really far away from the Lord. I'm feeling the shame of, of this whole up and down righteousness thing. Um, come up and receive prayer. Um, it is really powerful when somebody else prays for you. Sometimes you don't have the words to say to the Lord and, and that can be really helpful. Um, That is all. God bless. Go live and love for the Lord.